I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is author and podcaster Zibby Owens. Uh, her, we're going to be talking about her new book, Moms Don't Have Time 2, which is a quarantine anthology. For nearly three years, author, mother of four, and award-winning podcaster Zibby Owens, who also has an MBA, has enthusiastically used her voice to address a widely known but rarely discussed issue, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. As the global pan- pandemic took hold earlier this year, Zibby created We Found Time, an online magazine of essays written by both the authors she'd come to know over the years and herself inspired by all the things that mothers don't have time to do, especially during the pandemic, like eat, work out, breathe, read, or have sex. These essays have now been published and serve to help us escape our own issues and learn a bit from someone else's. Zibby. Zibby's writing has appeared. Writing has appeared in the Washington Post, Real Simple, Parents, Marie Claire, New York Times Online, and she is a regular contributor to ABC's Good Morning America Online. Welcome to the show, Libby. Zibby, thank you. It's I great call to be you here. Libby. <laughs> it's great to have you here. And time. I guess I'm going to say, yeah, I have to say right from the start, I want all my my listeners to know Zibby has COVID, and she's on the show with me, and I really appreciate that. So. Um, thank you so much. Uh, it, it's amazing that you can do it. So we'll start from there. Uh, moms don't have. I'm glad it's radio. <laughs> <laughs> As we said earlier, I'm not too close to my microphone, but uh, no, yeah, glad it's radio is right. So I hope. When were you diagnosed? Uh, a week ago. A week ago. So I. You sound good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I think I've made it through the worst at this point, but thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I know a lot of people who have been diagnosed um, anyway. Uh, so, okay. So, moms don't have time to. Moms d- never have time to. And I'm a baby boomer. Moms in my generation don't didn't have time to either. So, uh, let's talk about why you decided to launch this essay collection um, during this particular time during the pandemic? I had actually decided to, to launch it before the pandemic hit. I wanted to make it a whole big website, kind of like Goop, where I would have all these essays about all the things moms didn't have time to do. And why? I don't know. I thought it would be really cool. It's something that I would have wanted to read. So that's why I wanted to make it. Plus, I have all this amazing access to the authors who have been on my podcast. And every time I talk to them, there's more and more I want to hear from them. Things that come up in the interviews, things that pique my interest. So I thought having them write original essays for me would be just the neatest thing. So I put that in place before the pandemic and it was, I was going to design this whole big splashy thing, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that all got scrapped immediately. And I had an old friend of mine um, from my first job out of college (laughs) design, (laughs) we found time and throw it up on my own website just so I could get these essays out. And then I continued to commission essays from a bunch of the authors who had been in my podcast at the time. And every week I would release a few of them. And I called it, we found time because at the time we were all at home suddenly and it was just a long stretch of unpredictable time. So I thought might as well fill it with these essays. So that's how it started. And you filled it with about, what, 60 essays, um, all very different, some funny, uh, diverse group of women and men. So talk to us about some of the essays. 
Yes, I decided to group them into five different categories of things moms don't have time to do. Read, eat, work out, breathe, and have sex. And I had, the essays were inspired by these things, so they weren't specifically about how they didn't have time, because that would be kind of boring. So I had all the authors write about these things, and I collected them over the months that I did this magazine online. And then I decided to stop it midsummer because I don't know if you remember, I feel like there was this brief window where I thought that maybe the pandemic was going to be over. Anyway, yeah. it wasn't. Um, but I was hopeful that midsummer things would just end. So I stopped the magazine. And then come September, I was like, you know what? I had a lot of those essays. I wonder how many I ended up with. And there were over 60, so I copied and pasted them into one document. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is a book. It's long, it's long enough to be a book. So um, I took the manuscript and all the signed contracts that I already had with the authors and picked one publisher who I thought would be the best fit for it and said, here, like, let's publish this book together. And they said, okay. And that was Skyhorse Publishing, and uh, that's how it happened. Well, it's a great story. So let's talk about some of the stories and talk about some of the topics, I guess, within the stories, you're talking, my mothers don't have time to, or moms don't have time to eat, work out, breathe, read, or have sex. Is there any one topic that sort of like was more uh, popular in all these 60 essays than any, uh, you know, which took precedent, I guess, over um, each other or what? I, I have heard anecdotally that people are flipping to the have sex section <laughs> to see what's there. Yeah. Um, but I think, that, I think that people don't talk about that as much, uh, especially since most people don't reveal the ins and outs of their married life. And many of these moms are, you know, married moms of multiple kids. And anyway, uh, so that's been one of the more intriguing categories. But in terms of people submitting essays, I think most of the brief category was probably the most popular because it's so broad and could incorporate yeah. so many different elements. Yeah, breathe kind of is the overall, I guess I would, I would say anyway, the overall topic. But let's then talk about sex because if people aren't talking about it, what did they say? What are they saying? What were in the essays? Well, Rachel Birchie, for instance, who's the author of The Kids Are in Bed, talked about how you actually only need 7 to 14 minutes or so <laughs> to have great sex. And so she said, don't let time be the enemy of fun and just allocate those 10 minutes and you'll get a big benefit from it. So not to be afraid by thinking it has to be this whole long, hour long, elaborate dance. It does not. So she said short and sweet is okay, especially for busy parents. That's and great. The biggest other bang people, for the buck. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Bang for the buck. <laughs> um Lisa Barr, who's the author of a novel called The Unbreakables, wrote a great essay, uh, Forget Date Night, Try Date Day. And she talks about how being with your spouse and connecting for even 20 minutes a day, not having sex, but just sitting, having coffee, looking your partner in the eye can be the best foreplay of all and can really sustain a relationship and the sexual part over time. So that was another good piece of advice that you don't have to wait and go out to some fancy dinner. You can literally just sit at the kitchen table and talk for 20 minutes and that will have huge long lasting effects. And others just wrote about their own experiences. Um, Claire Gibson wrote about how to have sex with a germaphobe because her husband, even pre COVID had been very, very scared of germs and she had been a teacher for a while and how they had to navigate sort of being in bed with Lysol and all the rest. <laughs> um, 
So I think they're just a mix of funny and practical essays that will make people chuckle and perhaps make their bedtime lives even better. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll give them some ideas, right? I mean, which, yeah, which is a great, yeah, good thing. Connecting is what you're saying, too. You don't have to have actual sex necessarily, but find a way to connect. And at least if it's only yeah. for a short period of time, that's a good thing, right? That affects everything else, exactly. too, as well. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but you, I have to say, I mean, you're the kind of mom. Well, first of all, here you are doing all your shows and you have COVID. So I think that says a lot. Uh, and you seem to do during the pandemic, before the pandemic, you're out there, you're doing, you've, you've got kids. How do you do it? Well, one secret hack is that I'm divorced and remarried. So I do have every other weekend as a long weekend uninterrupted in which I can sleep and remember my own first name again. So I do have that as a, as a really much needed reset. Uh, and also a time where I can really read a lot and catch up on all the work that I have to do. Other ways, I don't know, my kids, I involve my kids in all of it. So if I'm reading a book to prepare, I tell them what it's about, and then they get excited when I interview the author. It's very obvious what I do. You know, it's not just something in a computer where kids might not understand. Like, they get it. They read books. I I interview the authors. So uh, they're all very much a part of it and feel an ownership of it uh, because they've helped me start this whole thing up. So but I don't know. I mean, it's hard. It's just really hard. I work all the time. Um, but work for me is so fun that it doesn't feel like work ever. So, you know, reading an amazing novel, are you kidding? Like, this is a, this is great. <laughs> so, um, I don't, I don't feel pressure. I don't feel like, you know, I've basically made my greatest passions in life into my, into my work. So I, I can't complain if I'm doing it all the time. It's just more stuff doing what I love. Yeah, I'm not as good at, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so you've always been this way. This is your personality. This is in your DNA. This is who you are. I mean, you've always been a passionate, productive person, it sounds like, from day one. It's not something you've had to to create or that you've had to necessarily work on. It it just seems like that's, as I say, it's just part of your your temperament and... um, how do you it, help? Other, it is part yeah. of my te- it is part of my temperament, and I have to say, it was hard for me for many years when I decided to stay home with the kids because yeah. I had all this energy and nowhere to really put it. <laughs> um, so I felt a little frustrated for quite some time. I was doing writing all along on the side, but it wasn't really enough for me. Um, so now I finally feel like all my elements are at the right at the right levels. Cause yes, I have this, um, very sort of powerful energy, which I really love to work hard. I've always worked super duper hard at everything, whether it was school projects or whatever. I'm just that kind of person. So talented. How many kids do you have? How many children? I have four kids. I have 13 year old twins and I have a seven year old and a six year old Twin, oh, a set of twins. I have twin grandchildren. Twins are a whole, let's talk about twins. Twins and mother, being a mother of twins, and also have four children and a mother of twins. Because I think that's kind of a special category um, in terms of parenting. Yeah, that was definitely a a rude awakening into motherhood. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, It's... uh, It's no joke. I mean, having twins, I had to be very organized, which fortunately I was, and have really, like, rigid schedules. I had 
typed up schedules all over the house with bedtimes and feeding, and um, it was an operation. Uh, and twins are super, my twins at least, are very, very different from each other, so that was always uh, tricky and still is, to be honest with you, even as teenagers, on how to navigate there some of the things in life that went in tandem, whereas others, which were quite different. Um, yeah. So what are some uh, of those things? Twin These are fraternal twins, girls or boys? I have a boy and a girl. A boy uh, and a twins. girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that make them different? Oh, uh, well, I mean, what my the, own. Well, t- so was some of the issues that you had to navigate, yes, obviously they're, di- they're different genders, but, it, you know, just some of the the. the as you said, some of the issues, very different kinds of, of personalities in the way they approach their world. Yes. Well, they have even different learning style, um, learning differences, different uh, introversion versus extroversion. You know, my son is happy to stay home all day and play video games. This pandemic did not even like throw him for a loop. He's like, this is great. Uh-huh. You know, he never wants to leave the house anyway. Um, whereas my daughter is a social butterfly and would love to be out and about with friends all the time. Um, always doing stuff. Now she's had to fill in with TikTok and things like that. Um, everything. I mean, they like different foods. They like different people. They like different movies. They're just like totally different. Um, and different health things along the way. Um, I feel like I can be such a, a help to most of my friends, especially younger friends who are having kids, because between the four, among all the four different kids, I feel like I've confronted most standard health issues that, that kids, can, <laughs> kids can go through. So if you have a rash and want to send me a picture, actually, please don't. What am I saying? But you could. <laughs> I have a question. During the pandemic, because I know this has been an issue with uh, some of my colleagues and their uh, and their kids, uh, particularly, I mean, ones who are divorced, how do you negotiate, like, say your kids are going, you said you have time because one weekend you, you, you're free, so that that's good, but negotiating the pandemic in terms of, because different households, uh, say your ex, uh, you know, has different standards for quarantining or isolating than you do. Um, I know that's a big issue um, amongst some of the divorced parents or divorced moms. How do you do that? Yes, this could fill a bunch of radio shows, but okay. I think I should um, <laughs> plead the fifth on this because I don't think my ex-husband would like me talking about it, but it has okay. been, um, let's just say it has been a, a big challenge uh, because we have different threshold comfort levels for, for what we think is Okay. Meanwhile, I've been, like, ridiculously careful, and, like, here I am still with COVID, which I got from my babysitter, so uh, you just can't win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you're the, about the, you're the third person that I know who got COVID from their babysitter and or nanny. I mean, just my recently. babysitter's been so careful, too, though. I mean, she's been amazing. Um so she doesn't even know where she got it. She thinks maybe popping into the grocery store one day, even wearing a mask, because she can't figure out where she could have gotten it. So, but yes, unfortunately, it happened. Yeah, and I see that also you lost your, in uh, this summer, you lost your mother-in-law and your grandmother to COVID. Yes, that was terrible. Um, my husband, Kyle's mom and grandmother passed away. His grandmother, Nini, was older and had some lung issues, so that wasn't 
so out of what was could have been expected, although it was still tragic. But Susan, his mom, was this beautiful, young, vibrant 63-year-old. She was newly divorced and was just about to start this whole new lease on life, dating and getting out there and everything. And um, she just should not have died. It was just one thing after another. And she just got so, so sick and Oh, it was terrible. It was a six-week journey where Kyle and I and his sister, Stephanie, were managing her care remotely while she was down in North Carolina, and it was um, it was awful. It was really, really awful, and that's why all the proceeds of this book are going to the foundation I started at Mount Sinai Medical Center called the Susan Solis Owens Program for COVID-19 Vaccine Research, and that's why it's even more ironic that now this book is coming out and I actually have COVID myself. So yes, we want to um, uh, spare other families from going through the pain um, and trauma that we went through seeing Susan pass away. You know, 63 sounds yeah, very young, as you say, young and healthy and, and ready to start a new life that, yeah, that's very, very sad. So, and how is it, because I'm assuming that you, obviously you were managing your care from a distance like, how is it grieving from a distance? Because that, that's different, too, That's as opposed to actually being there with her. And you know what I'm trying to say? Like, it, it, it creates this kind of, I don't know whether you were able to see her or FaceTime her or whatever uh, during this whole... We, yeah. yeah, we were able to FaceTime her the last couple weeks, a couple times. And then actually, right before, the few days before she passed away... Um, she was able to see Kyle and Stephanie. I didn't go into the hospital, but I was there sort of waiting in the car as they went and said goodbye. And we all sat in a hotel room at Duke University and just, you know, bawled our eyes out when she passed away and um, then had to spend the time back in New York quarantining because we had been out of state and not able to see anybody at all. And that was, it was awful. I mean, we all just took turns, um, crying and tried to, you know, lighten the mood when we could. And, um, you know, I tried to hold it together the most because obviously the two of them are way more affected. Obviously I loved her, but you know, it's their mom. So I was trying just to hold down the fort and deal with all the forms and all the logistics of losing someone, which are formidable in and of themselves. So, uh, yeah, it was no fun. I mean, it's just there are people, they still haven't been able to hug members of their family because of this loss. And it was, it was back in August. So it's, it's been terrible. What about, you know, you talk about the monies, uh, the proceeds from the book are going to the Susan Felice Owens program for COVID-19 at Mount Sinai in, in New York City, right? Um, yes. Talk to, yeah. What about that, the program, Vaccine Research? Tell us something about that. So it is a program spearheaded by two amazing doctors who had also worked on the universal flu vaccine, and they're developing a low-cost solution, which will be injected once only through the nose and has a much more shelf-stable life, so can be stored at higher temperatures, and is really a, a front-runner in helping a bunch of developing nations because obviously there are, you know, billions of people need to be vaccinated and the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines are very expensive. So this uh, is going into clinical trials in people now and so far has had amazing success. So keeping our fingers crossed that, that this will come out into the world and really help save lives. 
What about some of these mothers? I mean, you're talking, going back to the book, Mothers Don't Have Time To. What about mothers who really, um, who are depressed, who really can't, uh, I don't want to say rise to the occasion, but it's really very difficult to do some of the kinds of things that you suggest and um, to keep yourself sane. Um, Have you, do and you have a podcast, have you talked to a lot of these mothers? Um, I guess that's the question. My podcast, well, my podcast, I interview authors, um, Mm -hmm. not regular moms. I only do published authors and I have to really like their book to have them on my show. But yes, I mean, some of the authors that have been on my show have talked about this for sure. And I read a lot of books uh, where women are going through postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, authors who went through it themselves and then end up writing novels about it. It's, it's very, very common. Uh, and even without full-on diagnosable postpartum depression or anxiety, there's a lot, a lot of emotion and not always so pretty with, with motherhood as well. Um, I find reading to be most helpful. I think that even when you're, at least for me, at my my lowest points, at least I can crack open a book, but I'm certainly not going to, you know, get on the elliptical machine when I'm feeling down. So I think that books can be one of the most effective bombs, of course, mental health and uh, getting a professional when it's called for is super important. But uh, I think that the moms who feel that way can for sure find a community and some humor in these pages of the book and in the podcast and feel a lot less alone, which is one of the main goals I had in even starting this whole thing. In fact, well, you know, it was a day that I was like sitting on the bathroom floor crying and uh, I wrote a whole <laughs> essay about it. It was called something like, you know, two, two, too lucky to cry on Easter or something like that. And I don't even celebrate Easter, but I was thinking to myself, like, I can't be the only mom sitting on my bathroom floor today crying and like running down the street in my slippers because my kid has to like have something crazy happen. And, um, so I, that's why I write and that's why I do everything is to find other moms like me and just say like, Hey, you know what? We are not alone. There are lots of people crying and we're all going to get through this together. I think that's so true. And you probably are not in the minority, you're probably in the major- majority now of mothers sitting on the bathroom floor crying. I, I mean, that's really the picture that well, I yeah. see, right? Yeah, and this, was, this yeah. was pre-COVID. Now, now yeah. we're all just a total mess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say. If you're a mom who's not crying, uh, then, you know, my power to you. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Uh I was going to say, some of these moms, what about moms now who are pregnant, having kids during the pandemic? Have, have you talked to them? I mean, I'm, just, um, I'm assuming, yeah, some of your authors would be I, in that kind of position. Yes, I have. Jill Santopolo is an author who's been on my show, and she recently had a baby. Um, I Billy Lord, who is blurbed my next book, uh, which will be called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids, uh, had a baby during the pandemic. I know a, a number of people it's uh, it's not easy. Um, at the same time, you don't have to worry about how you look because uh, you know a lot of uh, a lot of new motherhood is a quarantine in and of itself. Um, so you can go through that whole thing uh, without having to be on display. And there can be something nice about having that time uh, inside uh, with your baby, which is probably what you're doing anyway. Um, that's true. What about your kids in school? Because that's one of the big topics. I'm I'm curious, you know, what are they in school, part-time, full-time? What are you doing? How does that work? My old, my son goes to boarding school. So he has been there um, 
and they've been really great about quarantining and um, making sure the whole community is safe. So he's away there. My other kids have been in person, but we've had to pull them out so often uh, for COVID scares or uh, someone in their orbit getting sick. So they've gone back and forth remote and in person quite a bit. And the impact of doing that is what it, as a mom, what do you say? What is the impact going back and forth like that? You know, difficult to have any expectations about what the next week is going to be. They don't know. How's that affected them? It seems to not bother them that much not to know what's going on in life. <laughs> Um, it's okay. me far more. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, this is their new normal. Do we go to school this week or not? Like, hey, it's a snow day. Oh, okay, we go remote. So I think it's it's made school for them seem optional. So <laughs> some days they wake up and they're like, yeah, can we just go remote today? I'm like, no, you have kindergarten. You're going to school. Like, get, get in the car. So, yeah, I think that um, the whole notion of school is, is not an option and you're required by the government. They're, like, not buying that at all. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see if I can get these little guys um, uh, with the program when things go back to normal. But in general, oh. they've all adapted very well um, to remote. And aside from my kindergartner, they can all really do it on their own. So I have, We only have three minutes, three minutes left. So just tell me advice to moms who have COVID like you do and are still carrying on doing what you have to do. Any advice? Uh, well, if you have COVID like me, you're isolated in your room away from your kids so that you don't get them sick. Um, and that is also really painful to be apart and not be able to take care of them. And my advice is, gosh, I don't know. I, it's, I guess my advice is that you're not alone in this and this is like the ultimate self-care lesson, right? Like we have to take care of ourselves. We have to literally, or we will like die. So if there's anything that has shaken mothers to the core and reminded all of us as a group that we have to take care of our own health before we take care of our kids, it is this. So maybe this is something we can, we can bring forward in our parenting afterwards that we can't always put our own needs aside and, at least there's some sort of baseline of self-care that has to happen. Good advice. All right, now so give us a website and or websites to go to for more information about what you do, which is so many things, and the book, the new book, Moms Don't Have Time To. <laughs> <laughs> you can go to Zibby, zibbyowens.com, Z-I-B-B-Y-O-W-E-N-S, zibbyowens.com, and you can follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens. Great. Thanks so much for being on the show today. And get well soon. Well, it sounds like you are on the upswing, right? Doing well. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was great to have you, Zibby. I keep calling you Libby. Zibby, Zibby Owen. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Mm-hmm. 